Hi everyone, I'm Jamie. And I'm Gabe. And we're the Menschwarmers. Every two weeks, we'll be sending thoughts from our brains right into your ear holes about the world of Jews and sports. Join us if you want to hear about who hit more home runs this year, Jock Peterson or Alex Bregman. Or maybe some interviews with staff and athletes from Team Israel on their way to the Tokyo Olympics. Or, sadly, if you want to hear us break down the latest anti-Semitism scandal in professional sports. Which one, Jamie? Well, unfortunately, there are plenty of those. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or at the CJN.ca. Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Yehopitzville, a CJN podcast. We in Yehopitzville have spoken to people in Moncton, in Moose Jaw, all over the country, really. It's just so interesting to, to hear from people. I had three folks from high school days who I went to school with in Toronto, who've all decided that they didn't want to live in a big Jewish center. Today, we're going to talk about a place, one of the few places I, I must say over the years of my career in uh, broadcasting journalism, I've gotten to see a lot of Canada. I've been to Smithers, I've been to Terrace, I've been to Prince Rupert, I've been to Vancouver, Victoria. I've seen the goat on top of the roof on the way to, uh, uh, to Fino. Uh, in terms of British Columbia, I've been to a lot of places. Oddly, I've never been to Kelowna. Kind of weird. Uh, if you don't know, Kelowna is in the Okanagan Valley, and uh, by all intents and purposes, it has created itself as a paradise for so many different people. Uh, so many people, really, when they go, they come back and they just loved it. Uh, it's famous for its vineyards. That's one thing Kelowna is famous for. It's got about 132,000 people in it. In the greater Okanagan region, according to the census statistics, the last one anyway, there were 1,000 people who said they were of Jewish descent. Uh, but in Kelowna, from what I can understand, there's about 60 families that really kind of maintain the Jewish community there in the community center uh, at Beth Sholem and its pluralistic approach to things. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. There's so much to talk about when it comes to beautiful places like this. But for us, that's what's going to be our focus. So uh, I'm going to introduce you now to two folks who have made Kelowna their home, uh, Sandra Blitz and Abby Westbury. Hello to both of you. How are you doing? Hello, oh, good morning. Uh, well, here it's afternoon. You have the luxury of starting oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so both of you, are, neither of you are born and bred in Kelowna. You, you've made Kelowna your home for a period of time. Um, Sandra, why don't we start with you? Tell me, how did you get to Kelowna? I grew up in a small town very close to Kelowna, um, Rossland, BC, um, home of Nancy Green, and spent uh, about 10 years in Vancouver as an adult and then traveled around from Edmonton and Calgary and Seattle and landed in Toronto for a period of time. And then a job opportunity for my husband brought us to Kelowna. So it was like coming back home. So it's a return. It's not a, hey, yes. what am I doing here? No, we knew it was going to be a good place to land. So when you were in Roslyn, uh, how many Jewish people were in Roslyn, B.C.? I was not Jewish when I lived in Roslyn. Ah. I converted before I married my husband. Well, then good cover. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not Jewish. Trust me. Everything's fine. And no, then, no. I... <laughs> then you leave and it's like, okay, I'm Jewish. All right. I can... no. 
(laughs) (laughs) My husband and I had been together for about five years and I decided to convert to um, be able to be a part of the community. I wasn't drawn to the religion so much as I was the community of um, that I saw that he and his family had. And he's, is he from the Okanagan or is he from? No, he, um, he was born in Holland oh. and uh, came to Canada when he was um, six or seven years old. So, and grew up in West Vancouver. I see. So the Vancouver community is quite large compared to the Okanagan. Yes. And beats, absolutely. But beats nothing the heck out like, of Roslyn. Well, yeah, beats the heck out of Roslyn. I, I'm not sure there was a single other. I mean, <laughs> looking back, I might not have noticed, but I would be surprised. Well, you can was. go back now and be the town Jewish person. I could. You know? I could. Yeah. You, know, you over there. You call that a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, no, it could work like that. <laughs> Abby, uh, what's your story? How did you get to Kelowna? Uh, a very circuitous route. I'm actually from Albuquerque, New Mexico, the child of. Uh, adventurous New York Jews, long line of them, um, and met my husband in Chicago. And ultimately, we were living in Vancouver, and my husband is a winemaker. And we looked all over where we wanted to go move to start a winery, and ultimately the Okanagan won for a lot of reasons. Uh, but my husband is not Jewish. So one of the reasons we ended up in Kelowna, as opposed to one of the more, um, one of the more rural um places in in the Okanagan was because of the Jewish community. And just as you were saying, I didn't want to be the only Jew in the town and have to teach my children about something that there was literally nobody else to support, support me in. Yeah. So Kelowna won out. Yeah. That's interesting because you know, when there's kids involved, you have to make a decision as to, you know, there are people, including some people who've been on this show who've raised children with no other Jewish people around. But they found yeah. it pretty tough. And one of them, um, I guess he would have been okay with it, you know, the kids not really being brought up in a Jewish environment. But his daughter said to him, uh, I'd like to go to Hebrew school. So he had to drive 45 <laughs> minutes into Ottawa to take her to Hebrew school because she just had this feeling of identity. Do your kids have a stronger sense by you being in Kelowna of, of their Judaism? Well, we moved from Vancouver and my kids went to the um, JCC preschool. So no, our, our community in Vancouver was, even though we didn't belong to a synagogue, much more Jewish, but, uh, the, the elementary school that they happened into had uh, all of the public school Jews, which was about six of them, (laughs) uh, and three of the Jewish teachers. So um, there was a little bit of a sense of it when they were small. And then we joined the synagogue and and the Hebrew school and became quite immersed in our tiny little community. So they've always been surrounded by a sense of that. Um, But it is a very relaxed, um, more of a cultural Jewish atmosphere here than any sort of religious thing. So, yes, they're keenly aware of it. I teach uh, Hanukkah in the classroom every year and the kids just love it. Um, but, uh, it's not, it's definitely, um, something we have to work at to be aware of where that was not the case when we lived in Vancouver. Yeah. And sometimes you, you, you appreciate it more because you have a, a, it's now your personal responsibility. You can't hope the community drags you along, I guess. Right. Yeah. Sandra, Um, go ahead. So my case, sorry. Uh, my kids, 
uh, went to Jewish day school when we lived in Toronto. And one of the reasons um, it's interesting, Abby's point about wanting to feel supported. Um, I thought that growing up in Toronto without family, it was going to be hard to, I, th I thought that there was no way our kids were going to be more Jewish than we were. And that, but if they went to day school, that they could have a stronger education than either my husband or I had. Um, so that was my argument to get them into Jewish day school. And then when we moved here, it was just a matter of reaching out to the community. And it's like most other small communities in Canada, in Toronto, no one cares if you're Jewish, um, like because everybody is. <laughs> but in a small, <laughs> but in a small community, the Jewish people find you. Um, so as, as soon as I emailed the the membership and asked about membership at this at the synagogue here, I got an email from Abby that said, "Hey, let's meet for ice cream." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she, right. she she has um she has a, a son who's our our son's age, and um it just was she was part of the welcoming committee and that would never happen in Toronto like like no. you want to join a synagogue they're fine but but <laughs> no do one us any favors that. that's what they're saying there's there's yeah there's there's no sort of outreach to or very little outreach to new members and um you know you, yeah. you kind of have to and it's a it's quite a I don't know I found it to be quite an instiller community because so many people um grew up there um, they had already established all their friend groups. And, and so it was actually hard to integrate into the Jewish community there, I found. But it sure was easy to go shopping at Passover. <laughs> yeah. Com yeah. <laughs> Com <laughs> compared, to, compared to Kelowna. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, and we do, we're, you know, we all know each other. There are so few of us here, despite being actually, I'm, you said about 137,000. It's really more, it's closer to 200,000 people wow. uh, in the metropolitan area. Um, but uh, not a lot of Jews. And it's interesting because when you meet someone who is Jewish that you didn't know, it always sort of raises an eyebrow. Uh, and you say, well, do you, do you not practice? Do you just happen to have a Jewish last name or do you belong to the Chabad? Because um, shortly before we moved here, we moved in 2012 and I think in 2010 or 11, the Chabad established a presence here and it divided the community um, mm. because the, the JCC, as we're known, uh, didn't have a rabbi. And suddenly there was a rabbi and a lot of more observant people left to join the Chabad and there are still now a lot of people who go to both, but there's definitely a group of people that uh, are two groups of people that never meet. And so when you cross over, I remember my, my children's preschool teacher saying, Oh, my next door neighbor is Jewish and this is his name. And these are his kids. And I was like, no, we don't know them. Nope. That can't be true. <laughs> like, right. We know them all. I don't know what you're talking about. So, uh, <laughs> It, it's it's too small to be divisive, and yet it it sort of still is. Well, and big enough for people joke. to the hide. Old, <laughs> it's the old joke, right? Where you know the guys stranded on the island, and um, old Jewish guy stranded on an island, and he, he builds up this thing. Then he sees a boat, and he freaks out, and he says, "Come, come, come, come!" So they come, and he goes, "All right, we we're rescuing you." He goes, "Wait, don't you want to see what I've built?" I go, "Yeah, sure." He yeah. goes, "Okay, so this is the living room." This is my kitchen. This is the synagogue. This is my deck. This is the 
second bedroom. And this is my synagogue. And he goes, wait a minute, I thought that was your synagogue. Because I wouldn't go to that synagogue if it was the last <laughs> place on earth. <laughs> we find a way to cleave. I don't know why, but we do. So, so when, uh, so I, I keep thinking when Sandra got got in touch with you, Abby, you, 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 there must have been a, hey, good, we got a live one. I mean, you know. <laughs> With kids. It was a little bit. Yeah, with kids. It was very exciting. Yeah. Um, And that happens quite a bit. And I actually, I'm no longer a newcomer, but for so many years I was a newcomer. But um, it's an interesting dynamic in our synagogue because there are the people who have been here forever. And then in the past uh, 10 years, there's been a big influx just in Kelowna in general of, of families moving here. And so that obviously by default includes Jewish families. Um, And so there's sort of a new uh, energized group of people who have kids who needed to go to Hebrew school. And when we first moved here, um, the Hebrew school was very haphazard and it was kind of like every other Sunday, maybe we'll get together and the parents all had to teach it. So we would, you know, we'd be assigned our days and then we'd sort of Google the night before whatever it was we were supposed to teach the kids. And in the past few years, as we've grown and we've decided to become more established, we've hired uh, one of the old guard people to, to teach the Hebrew school. Um, and it's become more of a uh, more of a mirror of what you would see in a larger community. We're definitely not there yet. We're certainly not at a point where parents could just, you know, drop their kids at Hebrew school Tuesdays and Thursdays and go off and run their errands. Uh, there's still definitely a measure of involvement that's by necessity. Yeah, but, but which which one's better? Uh, you know, when you described the first one, I thought of it as personal responsibility because you don't yeah. just get to drop your kid off and have no clue what they're doing in Hebrew school. You have to actually be part of their education. Uh, which one's better, uh, dropping them off or having a Google the night before? My children were little when I was super involved in that way. And I liked it because I was going to be hanging around with them anyway. Um, but I do miss the way I grew up. And Albuquerque didn't have a huge Jewish community, but it had a well-established Jewish community where it was just it was just another facet of who you were. And it was very normalized. So here it is. It is such an effort. And you still get so many people who look at you in wonderment and it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable and I'm not particularly religious to me. It's very much a cultural thing. And as I say, I married a man who was, is not Jewish. He was raised Roman Catholic and is now a staunch agnostic. Um, So for us, it was very much about tradition and culture. Um, But people assume because I have to be so involved in it, I must be very religious as well. I get a lot of questions about bacon. (laughs) <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yes, and and here there's sort of some reminders and um lots of um lots of remembering it's like oh right that comes with bacon without and it, where in Toronto it's not an assumption that things come with bacon. Like in a bigger sorry, I mean any bigger Jewish community I think it's it's just 
Um, but here you can get a Caesar salad with bacon and if you look at it, it's like, oh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> Everything's got bacon in it. And if it doesn't, it has a cream sauce on the meat. So right. <laughs> luckily I'm a so, vegetarian, so I don't worry about it too much. But even in Toronto, I had to, you know, when I was kosher before I was vegetarian, uh, I'd always have to look at a menu and realize I had one choice on the menu, everything else, or ask them to modify the uh, what, what they right. were going to give me. So, Sandra, when you think of your kids growing up there, um, is there a Jewish identity that you want to pass on to them as, a, as somebody who has consciously decided to be Jewish? I wanted them to have enough information to make a choice about how they wanted to practice Judaism. Or, or practice religion in their life. Um, and I wasn't sure that I could give them that alone. Um, and my husband grew up in a Jewish home, but in a family that didn't, um, both kids were hidden during World War One in Holland or World War Two in Holland. And um, both his parents were. And so, you know, they, they were educated Jewishly, but didn't grow up in a Jewish community at all. So when I went to conversion class, I had a, a lot of information that they didn't necessarily have right. just by learning formally, as opposed to the information he had growing up with parents who didn't have the same sort of cultural community experience. Ooh, so interesting. The way we get Our, to where we're going. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say our community is is unique in that, what would you say, Sandra? I'd say at least 50% of the families are either interfaith or converted, maybe even more. I, um, haven't, so, I haven't met as many families as you have, uh, um, so I, I can't speak to that point. Um, um, I, I think that's a pretty accurate number. We, um, we have just just hired uh, our first rabbi in about 20 years and we're very excited he's starting this summer but one of the reasons we chose him is for his experience with interfaith families because there are so many of us in this particular community and most of the people here now um, come from elsewhere come from larger communities where it is much easier to be Jewish um, and for many many years and one of the the key motivators in us hiring a rabbi for many years, people would just leave again whenever they had a simcha or a holiday or something. So they would go back to the larger cities that they came from and have high holy days with their family. They would take their kids to have their bar mitzvahs back in Toronto or whatever. Um, and I don't have anywhere to go back to. My parents have moved from New Mexico. So I don't have my old community where I grew up. And I, I had young children and I just said, I want this to be the community that my kids come back to. Um, and, and so we sort of discussed that in an AGM several years ago and the, everybody wholeheartedly said, yeah, this is, this is where we live now. Let's make it legitimate. Um, and I think we're now finally on our way there. <laughs> it's interesting. One of the, when we were moving here, one of the selling features that came up was we have a Seder at a winery. <laughs> Like, yes. <laughs> what a great thing you. yeah really nobody leaves unless it's by bus at that point just like four, <laughs> four full glasses of wine please if you don't mind four would be good yeah no um, and, it, and it is really like when the whole community we've only had one here because last year's was canceled but yeah. um it was such a fantastic 
feeling to have that many people in the community in one room having a yeah. seminar. It was, I loved it. But what's interesting, and that was, that was a spectacular one a couple of years ago, but we also have a very large, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Um, we have a very large Jews for Jesus population in this town. And they're not allowed to be members of the synagogue by the bylaws, but they show up to all the events. And so they all come to that Seder. They sort of sit at their own table. But it's a weird, for me, having grown up conservative, well, Western conservative, um, it's a very weird situation to have this group of people here who are sort of fans, but aren't really... uh, educated in sort of the, the, the intricacies of, of the religion and the, and the traditions. And so I've, we've had situations where we had once a Hanukkah party, a whole bunch of these Jews for Jesus showed up and they were great and they were having a wonderful time. And then they started telling me about how I should go with them tomorrow to church. And I was like, that's not, are you, I think you're missing something. <laughs> it's not the same thing, but, and it, and it's weird because it's it's quite normalized here for them to be a part of it because we just don't have the numbers. Yeah. So, you know, to to this sounds terrible, but to be exclusive, not that we would want to be exclusive, as I say, we're, we're it's a very interfaith community, but um, well, yeah, it's sort know, of it, it's a difficult thing to try to be inclusive when you're in a small group like that. And and to Sandra's point earlier in a place like Toronto, it's actually exclusive to a point that it doesn't make you feel welcome. Like you just, you know, everybody knows each other. Everybody's got their relationships. So it's kind of interesting that the pluralistic, I was reading the website for, for your JCC and there was a real emphasis on pluralistic and inclusive environment. And there's a lot to be learned from everybody else, but it's, it's also, you want to cultivate a Jewish life. So how consistent can you be? I want to ask about, you know, sometimes people ask for a rabbi to be part of their congregation after they haven't had one for a long time. And it can be tricky. Uh, Is there any trepidation about having a a rabbi now as the sort of spiritual leader, as opposed to being more distributive and it's, it's democratic that way? No, I think everybody's ready for it. It took our committee uh, almost four years to hire this one. We had a few fall through. We had a lot of people who were bad fits um, during the interview process. So I think everybody is quite comfortable and excited to have him on board because he can play that part of the problem is we're a one-stop shop for a very large area. We have people driving in from two hours away to be a part of this. Um, And he's got to play to all the different levels of involvement in spiritualism and and, uh, observe. Uh, observation observation that's the yeah, word observation. i want um <laughs> and he uh he, he can he can do it we're, we're quite confident that he can do that but um the, anybody who um takes issue with it if they you know you don't have to be involved if you don't want that yeah, but that's what i mean you end that. up you know people start making choices and often the rabbi becomes a, a lightning uh, rod for a lot of different issues in the congregation. Sandra, how do you feel about it? I came in um, sort of halfway through the the search process. And what I witnessed was a lot of hand wringing and a lot of um, double checking with the membership to make sure, like, are we sure this is what the direction we want to go in? It like, 
we're about to make the decision or are you like <laughs> um so I was kind of I was in that it's like let's just get on with it like we have to try it um yeah and 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 see what it looks like I'm you know I'm excited I think there's actually enough kids next year to have a bar mitzvah class like I think Yay. there's three or four kids who come of age next year and that would be fantastic um, if, if we could get that group of kids together specifically for a bar mitzvah, I think that would be cool. You know, the, uh, the synagogue itself, from what I understand, the Ark and some pews and the Torah scrolls are from Moose Jaw. Is that right? One of the Torahs is for sure. Um, I don't know about the, the Ark and the pews. They look like they were just made by a carpenter, but they oh. might've come from somewhere. I think they came from Musha, from what I read. And it's interesting because on this show, on Yehopitzville, we did uh, one with uh, Howard Glassman, who goes by the name Humble Howard. He's a radio legend in Ontario, in Southern Ontario. And uh, uh, he's from Musha. And there, there, were, uh, there were 60 families in Musha, and now there's maybe two or three. Uh, but uh, he said the synagogue had closed down. So when I read that, I thought it's interesting. The, the furniture moved. <laughs> and, the, and the Torah moved. So, you know, everybody's redistributing themselves around the country. If somebody, um, so the Chabad thing interests me because that's another one of those pieces that it makes it so that you're either in this this one or that one. Do you work together at all in, in the Okanagan with, with the Chabad or, or do you just sort of go, they're doing their thing and we're doing ours? I know UBC is open. Has UBC got a campus in, in the Okanagan now? We have a very big campus and they anticipate having a hill in the next six years is their, right. their window. Um, yeah, there are definitely a handful of people who, who keep the ties between the two. There's no real animosity, um, but there's definitely an us versus them. Um, there were a few years where they would light a menorah downtown by the water, and the the Chabad rabbi was in charge of that, but he, it, it was very strange. He would decide that he had to light the menorah on the exact day at the exact hour that we were having our Hanukkah party. <laughs> so the people were forced to decide and everybody said, well, why, why would you do that? There are only a hundred of us here. Why wouldn't you just do it an hour later so that we can all do both? Right. Um, but that seems to have cooled that sort of fight for one or the other. Um, but I know that there are people who belong to the Chabad who, have, who are not particularly religious or who are not, you know, who are very reform, who have said, if the JCC had a rabbi, we would come back because that fits our, our you know, everyday lifestyle more. Mm. And there are definitely people who, at one point, we were interviewing a female rabbi, and there were some people in our community who were very concerned. And we thought, well, if you're so religious that you're uncomfortable with a female rabbi, you do have another option. Yeah, right. You can go. Which, and so it's kind of nice, actually, because it, yeah. it takes a little bit of the pressure off of us to have to appeal to everybody. Yeah, well, that's the thing in a small community. You've got to be all things to all people. But when you have Chabad, it's not necessarily a, a negative competition thing. It can very much be, look, if you're more observant, this is a place for you to be uh, without making the other people have to swerve towards you in the more liberal congregation where they can, right. you know, 
pursue their own, you know, path, which, and there's a lot of exciting things going on in Judaism that uh, I guess, you know, Jews who went from New York to Albuquerque would understand in terms of renewal and <laughs> Jewish embodied practice and Jewish spirituality. And so, you know, it's also an opportunity. How do you see, how do you two see the, uh, the Okanagan Jewish community growing over the next few years? What, what do you think is going to happen next? I think it will grow as more families leave the cities, um, just like the pattern that's been happening now. Um, my kids are too young to, to be, you know, they still need to go off and be young adults before they would come back here and bring a younger Jewish family. I don't know um, much beyond that. And you see your commitment to the community growing or just a th- an addendum to your life. It's just a piece over here. Um, I would, I, I'm looking forward to having a rabbi and, and being able to participate. Uh, I think I will participate more in services with the rabbi in place than I do now. Um, uh, but I'm happy with the level of volunteerism that I have with the community right now. Um, so I don't really see it increasing except for possibly participation. Yeah, cool. And Abby, what about you? What do you think is going to happen? And what's the future of the uh, Kelowna Jewish community? I mean, ideally, once we have uh, this rabbi as an anchor, we'll be able to offer more programs, we'll grow our membership, and then we'll be able to grow physically and consistently. I know there have been um, murmurings of having a preschool, but we don't have enough babies at this point to um, to warrant that. But as Sandra said, eventually maybe some of the kids who are teenagers now will come home or the kids, the young adults who left five or 10 years ago will have a reason to come back because there'll be a community for them to raise their children. Um, I, I really do see it um, on a, on a positive role towards growing, which is great because for the size of our actual town, uh, we really do have a very tiny, tiny, disproportionately small Jewish community, and it could be stronger and it could be better. And I think people will be happier to be a part of it. My personal involvement, I'm very involved now. Uh, it was sort of by necessity early, and I like the people and I like the level of involvement that I do. I think once my youngest child has his bar mitzvah, we won't be quite as tied to it because it won't be a, a weekly thing. But um, I think that the level of sort of community um, volunteer projects, working at the food bank or, you know, holding a Jewish wine festival or something will grow and I can be involved that way. Um, But my I think my personal daily ties to it will be minimized. You you have a uh a commitment, I think, to rehabilitate the reputation of Jewish wine in Canada. <laughs> well, we job. do have... It's we have, very good wine. I wouldn't wine doubt is, it. Thank you. We grew, up with, we grew up with such wall wine. <laughs> yeah. We have... Uh, we had one Jewish local Jewish winemaker um, attempt to do a kosher wine a few years ago, but it's very, very difficult, especially in a town where there are not very many Jews because only Jews are allowed to touch it from planting to pouring, essentially. And so you, you're hard pressed to find that many Jews who know what they're doing in a winery 
So it becomes a difficult proposition, but uh, maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of people who, uh, when it comes to things like kosher, they they observe the the idea, but they don't look for the kosher. They don't look for the little thing that says yeah. it's kosher because yes. it's just like, oh, come on. Right. I mean, now it's well, and certainly in a town like this, you'd have to order it online and have it sent in all the time. Yeah. What'd you do for matzah for Passover? There's a group, (laughs) there's two or three grocery stores in town that do a Passover order. Oh, nice. That's a recent thing. When we first moved here, my mother sent it to me from Florida. (laughs) And it was in pieces when it got to you, just crumbled. Yeah. (laughs) It got to you. That's hilarious. A friend of mine who was on a, a you hope it's a little while ago, uh, who lives in Jasper, he said he, he, Passover happened and he went, oh, my God, I have to go. Where am I going to find matzah? I'm in Jasper. And then he tried to put and he had a roommate. He wasn't married yet. And he, he tried to convince his roommate who wasn't Jewish that Rivita could stand in. And he tried to make some. <laughs> He tried to make some matzo balls with cornmeal or something. And the guy took a sip and went, you know, I don't know much about being Jewish, but I know that these are not matzo balls. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes very bad. <laughs> so I definitely stock up on matzo ball mix when it's in stock. Yeah, I buy, I, I buy the filter fish by the dozen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what, that's just it. You buy the year's supply because you know the grocery store only has it that one time. Right. So <laughs> it's also not hard. To, it's hard to find good pickles and, and good salami. These are things that are hard to find. We don't even get the salami, unfortunately. I know it's very depressing. The pickles, we do get strubs. I mean, Ooh, that's, those are you know, good. yeah. And one time I was very lucky. They had some half sours and I bought all of them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you see it, you buy all of it. It's, you exactly. hoard immediately. It's like, it's kind of like being out there. Well, listen, both of you, thank you very much for letting me get a bit of a glimpse into what a Kelowna Jewish existence is. I, I, it sounds to me like um, there's a lot of people who care enough to, to do something to keep culture and Judaism uh, in their lives and in the lives of other people in the community. And I know that if people were thinking of moving to a place like that, you know, it's always a factor. Can I actually feel that there's going to be some way to continue this and not carry the whole weight on my own shoulders. So I think you people have done a great job with that. And now you have a rabbi might even help more. It it really is a fantastic community. The way it's, it's what I've witnessed in the way it's run and the community um, involvement is what makes it work. And, and it's truly great. Um, Just Last year, my older son had his bar mitzvah and we had planned one thing and about three weeks out during COVID, it was like, okay, we have to pivot. And we reached out to um, the spiritual leader here and the synagogue president and their answer was, we'll do whatever we can to make this work. Great. And it was amazing. And how amazing was it that he got to stand by the lake and we were all on Zoom watching him. It was, it was incredible. And, and I wouldn't do it any other way. And there were a hundred, we hadn't planned on inviting a hundred people and there were a hundred screens online at one point. Wow. It was, I wouldn't have done it any other way in hindsight. And um, it was thanks to, to Evan and Steven who just said, uh, what can we do to help? And, and 
basically all we needed to do was add account, had more people to the Zoom account, like upgrade the Zoom account to account more computers. <laughs> um, and then it, it went off without a hitch. Evan, the, yeah. Evan Rhett was on his Zoom screen across the lake and David and uh, we were here on the other side and we, it just worked. It was a full service. It was really cool. And you saved yeah. a lot on catering. We certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> we got off. We yeah. We you got, got off, off easy on that one, really. Very well. <laughs> right. You didn't have to have relatives looking at each other, going, "You know, I never liked you." Yeah. <laughs> that, well, relatives isn't isn't something we deal with often. So, it, um, but it was, and it was so different because we had lived in Toronto when we had to book. You know, we booked David's bar mitzvah, his birth, his bar mitzvah date when he was eleven, I think. The, right. the spring of his 11th birthday, we had to book our, our synagogue weekend because, and there was a lineup. Like if, as soon as we canceled our date, there was someone there to pick it up. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, that's the beauty of living in a smaller place is you have more expansive life. You don't have to charge yeah. and rush into everything. You can just be in the area. and it, That's absolutely your nervous true. System. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. living in a place like Hamilton, like I do now, there's 5,000 Jewish people, but everything's 15, it's a 15 minute city, wherever you need to get to in 15 minutes, usually you can get there in Toronto. Cologne is a 20 minute city. Um, whereas in Toronto, it was 25 in the summer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> them, them tourists show up. That's You're right. Not from around these parts, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how it goes. Well, listen, folks, thanks for everything. I really appreciate you being part of the show. And uh, I hope you have a healthy and safe summer. Uh, and uh, keep the community growing. I'm sure there'll be uh, more Jews arriving with your high tech sector, with the UBC, with the vineyards, with people getting trying to get out of the big cities and get a better way of life. So uh, you've got an infrastructure that's there and ready for them. So I think it's great. And uh, just keep on going. It's good stuff. Thanks. Thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure. Uh, Abby Westbury and Sandra Blitz are in the Okanagan in Kelowna and uh, are living the Jewish dream, which is no catering for your own bar mitzvah. That's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a Jewish dream. You don't have to argue with anybody. You just have a great time. Uh, and they're doing it uh, with style. Uh, and I'll check in some other time when you when your rabbi's around, or maybe you'll talk to him as well. This is your Hopitzville. If you have any comments, you can go to CJN and make your comments. You can get in touch with me, Ralph Ben Murgy at gmail.com. Uh, I also have my other podcast, which is Not That Kind of Rabbi. And if you're interested in listening to that, it's on every podcatcher out there, and you're welcome to do it. So in the meantime, you take care of each other, and uh, we'll see you again on Yehopitzville.